0: Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please Tune in to the Trade Addicts Podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. I actually got some help from um, Elliot Christ. Christ. Shit.
1: You're at the dynasty crossroads that film and analytics create. The dynasty crossroads. numbers and jake just grinds that
0: tape hello and welcome back to the dynasty crossroads my name's peter howard at pa howdy on twitter i'm here with jake anderson at jake anderson ff on twitter and um, we're here to talk about one player at a time at the crossroads from both a film and an analytics point of view try and reach a consensus or uh at least an informed argument jake how are you doing um anything new with you
2: i'm doing well nothing nothing's really new just uh Same old day-to-day grind.
0: Fantastic. Glad to hear it. Um, (laughs) Me and Jake taped separately, so I'm hoping he had something great to say there. Um, (laughs) Yeah, uh, it's been a lot of fun for me. I actually played on my first showdown slate. If no one knows what that is, it's where you play one game in DFS. So everyone's choosing players to fill their lineup from um, two different teams in the same game. Um, I've never played it before because it sounds like a special kind of hell and it was because every play changes everything for pretty much everyone in it and so every minute of the game you're, you're first or you're last almost. And it's uh, it, it's a whirlwind of emotions to say the least. I actually got some help from Elliot Christ from thequantedge.com, and um, there's a lot of great tools on there that we've mentioned before. But I think one of the best ones is that you can sign into like a private chat room and ask questions about slates or players or starts or lineups and Elliot as well as all the other DFS uh, geniuses over there will help you out and they actually had me finishing in third place I was actually in first place for a good majority of the game until like the last five minutes or so so uh, thanks to all of those guys who actually managed to make my lineup uh, pretty good actually I was going to say not terrible but they made it really well Um, and I really enjoyed it so I wanted to give them a shout out, um, and also remind people, because me and Jake are bad at doing it, that if you're interested in the Quant Edge, there's one of the people that actually support us, and so they gave us a what do you call it, Jake, a password or a, a passcode?
2: Yeah, a promo, a promo code. A promo
0: code. That's the one. Yeah, we're, I'm, I'm terrible at this. And so if you type in Crossroads when you sign up with them, you actually get uh, money off. Um, I think it's like 20%, 10%, something like that. And it's definitely worth checking out, If even if it's just to pick the brains of people who do this regularly if you're playing DFS or just start SIT decisions. They're all really helpful and friendly over there. Um, so you were on a podcast as well recently, weren't
2: you, Jake? Yeah, I was on the uh Dynasty Tradecast with Nathan Powell and Eric Bursloff. Uh, Dan Saneo is another co-host on that show. He was gone. Um, But you were on that, I believe, two weeks ago too, right?
0: Yeah, you're just following behind me one podcast at a time. That's what I like to think. Per usual. Per usual. Right. No, I listened to that. It was great. You uh, fired shots at me just as soon as they gave you the microphone. So I enjoyed that immensely. Um, Made sure you fit in a few jabs at Rashad Penny because uh
2: i knew you were gonna listen (laughs)
0: right um no it's a really great episode everyone should check that out um but who are we talking about today we did another twitter poll a lot of people voted thanks to everyone who does that every week to save us from you know having to have that argument before we start the main argument um who won in the end
2: yeah it was the the hot asset you know the waiver wire talk of redraft again it was Marquez Valdez Scantling, the rookie wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers.
0: It is almost always the hottest name in the industry right now when we put out a poll, which is really helpful and probably keeps us very topical. Um, so that's going to be useful. Jake, as always, is going to talk about him from a film perspective, what he's seen from him from college and also in the NFL, and then I'm going to try and. uh, do the same from a metrics or a numbers point of view. Uh, I prefer the word metrics because I don't mess it up nearly as often as I mess up the <laughs> word analytics. <laughs> just in case you haven't noticed that. Do you want to go first this week, Jake, or should I?
2: I guess I guess we just have like a rotating schedule here, so I can go first. Okay. Um, Marquez Valdez-Scanlin was a fourth-round draft pick by the Green Bay Packers. He um, originally played for North um, north carolina state and then transferred after his sophomore season um to usf university of south florida and then per the ncaa transfer rules he actually had to take a whole year off um when he decided to transfer so he was on the scout team for a year and then played his final two seasons at usf and he really didn't do a whole lot in his college career although although he did um, you know, comparatively speaking from what he had done previously, uh, had a pretty solid season, his final year in 2017. Um, you know what? I honestly, I didn't do enough legwork on Marquez Valdez scaling. Um, I was a kind of a big Jumaan Moore guy in the third round. And obviously ESB was a hot topic, you know, in Devi in Devi leagues a year ago, And, you know, even leading up to the the draft, I know Ryan McDowell, I think he was his wide receiver one in the class uh, for a long time. So, um, MVS just kind of slid through the cracks there, and he slid through the crack for me, too, where I just didn't dig into him all that much. Um, And he was kind of just, he was definitely a miss for me. I mean, obviously, we didn't see this coming. I don't think anybody saw this coming, even if you did um, do some groundwork on him coming out of college. Um, but you know, the limit, I think
0: he's rostered to be fair to anyone. That's like, I didn't have him. Um, like he's an Aaron Rodgers potential Aaron Rodgers receiver. Sure. I think people was going to push them on their benches. Right. But uh, yeah, I think that's I think, where most people had yeah, him. Right? And I
2: think that's the only reason he was really drafted in probably the yeah. fourth round of rookie drafts is he was, and he, I guarantee he was always the last out of the three, um, rookie receivers for the the Packers and, um, you know, there was a couple times where I kind of wanted to just take him in that fourth round. And he just didn't make it to me um, just because, you know, he was again, he's it's a great system. You're just kind of t- taking dart throws in the fourth round there. Um, but just getting back to the limited tape that I watched uh, pre-draft and then obviously, you know, watching him throughout this NFL season and then going back and kind of digging into his college tape, um, you know, super explosive guy. He's 6'4", He's pretty wiry. He's relatively thin. Um, not the strongest build, but this guy can really fly. He, you know, ran a four three seven, and it shows off in his college tape. I mean, he can he can take any play to the house, and he kind of reminds me of DJ Shark a little bit. You know, he was that other um, you know four three wide receiver coming out of LSU that was a really good deep threat special teamer, and um, I think that's another reason that mvs fell through the cracks a little bit because we already had kind of that longer leaner um speed threat that was actually drafted in the second round so he kind of got that hype um and i didn't i wasn't a big fan of dj shark because he couldn't really catch very well um mvs actually for for being the deep threat for being the explosive guy um a lot of the times when when they're speed demons they don't show very good uh, ball skills they don't adjust to the ball in the air very well they're not very good in contested situations Um, not great route runners and I wouldn't say MVS is a great route runner by any means Uh, but he does show really good body control and field awareness and ability to um, adjust to a ball in the air he's shown that multiple times in the NFL already Um, the sideline play I can't I don't think it was I don't know if it was last week or if it was against the I can't remember what team it was. It was a sideline play. He's made a bunch of sideline plays, but contorts his body, completely spins around midair, snatches the ball with his hands and gets his feet inbounds. Um, He's made some nice sideline catches like that already in his career. And um, I think his hands are a little bit inconsistent. Um, He does body catch a lot. He kind of basket catches the ball a lot. And he kind of goes to the ground as he catches it. Quite often, especially on a little bit deeper routes, so he doesn't. It doesn't seem like he's super comfortable catching the ball. You know, he kind of uses that diving motion to to catch it, like kind of an outfielder in baseball when they're when they're diving and sliding to catch the ball. Um, but again, sometimes he does snag the ball really well and extend and high points the ball and shows nice soft hands. So it's kind of a just an inconsistency there with his with his hands and. And maybe that improves as he goes on, and and maybe it doesn't. But, um, you know, just going back and watching his tape, um, I kind of wish I would have dug in a little bit deeper and paid a little more attention because his tape was impressive, even though it was limited. Um, But, I mean, the trump card here, obviously, is he's in a gray bay offense, and he's producing. And, you know, both of us love Randall Cobb. Um, But, We both agree that Randall Cobb just doesn't seem to be the Randall Cobb that we're familiar with. So there's opportunity in that offense, and Devontae Adams is obviously the target hog, but this offense needs a deep threat. You know, ever since they let Jordy go, um, they've been lacking that deep vertical threat, and especially when a play breaks down, and Aaron Rodgers, even though he has that knee injury, he's getting back to health. He can extend plays so well, and those speed threats are so dangerous when he can let a play break down and get out of the pocket because defenders just can't hold up with that speed for that long. Um, And I think that there's even more of those plays coming. And we've seen his snap share um, increase. We've seen his target share increase over the last several weeks. He seems to be that number two receiver receiver. In this offense he's had either 100 yards or a touchdown in every game in the last four games so that's a positive note um he's second in the nfl with yards per catch right behind deshaun jackson um so these are all good things and and the thing is he hasn't had a, a whole lot of volume i think he's topped out at um seven targets all but one game i think he did have 10 um so he's not getting a ton of targets but i think that could improve and these big play guys I mean when you can make a 50-yard play any given time you can kind of get away with not having heavy heavy volume Um, so you know I've turned from relatively unfamiliar with MVS early in the pre-draft season and early on in this season to kind of being just a a fan because I like his skills and I love um, his situation and it seems like Aaron Rodgers trusts this guy He's come out and talked about it. Um, You know, it seems like all of his teammates are really impressed by what he's doing. And when you have the trust of Aaron Rodgers, he's not afraid to throw it up to you. And uh, he's actually, Aaron Rodgers is throwing the ball away more than he ever has in his career this year. And it could be partially because of his injury. It could be partially because of supporting cast. And he said, listen, people aren't getting open. I'm going to throw the ball away. If people were getting open, I'd take more shots. So, he really needs some players that can make plays that he can rely on. So as that um, trust continues to develop between these two, I really think that, you know, that role is established. Now, I don't see him being a wide receiver one by any means, but um, I think he's definitely going to have some wide receiver two weeks. He'll think he's going to be a safe wide receiver three play this year. And I think that's going to continue on to next year. So for me um, – and I said I was going to be short on this, and of course I just keep talking and keep talking. <laughs> but um,
0: I'm letting you, to be fair. <laughs> I appreciate that.
2: Um, I I honestly think he's worth a late 19 first at this point. So I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to take a drink oh. of water and breathe for a second, and I'm going to let you take the take the mic over here,
0: Peter. Um, I was honestly letting you talk, so I was trying to cram in one last data point <laughs> to this fucking sheet that I've got. Um... I'm going to start clearly by saying my uh, my take on Marquez or uh, Marquez. Marquez Vandos yeah. gambling is no. Like, um, <laughs> I think this is one of these moves that you should um, seriously look at your team and make a decision on where you're at. And if you're... I don't know how you do that, Jake. How do you assess where your team is? Because what I do is I look at my points and my points per game mm-hmm. in relation to my, uh, the other teams. Like if I'm... I don't know. Uh, batting 500, like 0. .500, so I'm not at the top of the league, but I'm compete competitive every week. What I'll do is uh, I'll look at those points per game. Uh, my fantasy league makes that really easy when you're looking at the standings. If you have a higher points per game than the people above you, or some of the people above you, you're competing, you're going to get into the playoffs more often than not, and you have a shot. If it's If it looks just about right, like your points per game is lower than the three teams above you, you're going to get in the f- in the playoffs, but you're really hoping for a miracle to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's, that's probably very obvious to everyone, but it's something I've honestly just started doing to like assess where those teams that are kind of middle of the road where I'm at, if I'm in fourth or fifth place, if my points per game looks r- like w- where it should be, then I'm more likely starting at this point in the season to sell things off or look for a move that can help me next year. Because while it could happen, it's less likely, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um,
0: on the other hand, if, you're, if you've if you got a serious shot, like I have some leagues where I am might barely make the playoffs and I'm number two in the league in terms of points per game or overall points, and in that league I'm doing the exact opposite, right? Um, Scantling someone you want right now if you're trying to win... But you're plugging him into your lineup, like Jake was just saying, you're plugging him in the same place you would plug in Deshaun Jackson or Tyra Williams or even Mike Williams on the same team. You're plugging him in where you need variance, not where you're looking for a floor. Uh, Scantling had 100 yards last week on three targets. Now I know Jake's already made the excuse for that, that it's Aaron Rodgers, this will happen every now and again, because it's Aaron Rodgers, and that's completely true. But you're not plugging that guy in the same way you'd plug in a Larry Fitzgerald, or the way you'd plug in even a Cole Beasley, these are the lower floor type players. If you want a floor, those are the players you put in over Scantling. Um, Because they're more like, well, maybe not Beasley right now. Not Beasley. (laughs) Because Cooper just showed up. But before now, he was that guy. Um, I'd rather plug in Cobb if I was looking for a floor, even right now leading up to the playoffs. Um, So I think uh, Scantling right now as a player, you kind of have to do that mental math on. Where is your team? What do you need for your team? And whether you're making a push and whether you're not. Overall, since I'm mostly a dynasty player, um, I'm saying the same thing about Scantlings as I said about Allison before he got injured. Now, the injury isn't why. Obviously, I didn't know that was coming. But I think this is a short-term answer to an immediate problem. Now, I'm not talking down the players. Both are doing a tr- both uh, Alisson uh, did and Scantling right now is doing a great job. I don't want to ever sound like I'm not a fan of players. I'm a fan of just NFL. NFL football, so obviously I like the players. But the reason I like Cobb is I think there is something about his talent and the way he plays that is about him, not about his situation. I think both of these players have become fantasy level relevant because of their situation. There are very few quarterbacks I'll say that about. Aaron Rodgers is the obvious one. What probably isn't as obvious is he is the last on my list. On in that small list, where I'll target a player because of the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers does not spread the ball around a lot. He also doesn't uh, like everyone talks about Aaron Rodgers trust. I think that's somewhat overstated. It's too much of a narrative. Sorry, Jake. I know you were just using it, but um, like if you want to be in the top twenty-four in an Aaron Rodgers offense. You pretty much have to be his number one, maybe his number two target. So what is Scantling right now? Yes, I've already said he's going to have those blow-up ban- games every now and again. With Aaron Rodgers, that's always possible. And hell, it's possible to do it every week maybe on three targets, but I don't think so. Um, In the last three weeks, um, Scantling's actually ranked second on the team in terms of whopper or weighted opportunity rating which is great, but in the last three weeks, in terms of overall targets, just raw targets, he's joint second with Randall Cobb. So even in the last three weeks, and granted their buy was included in that, so it's really in the last two weeks, um, Randall Cobb's still been getting targeted just as much. Um, And remember, Scantling's targets are going to go up, and they're going to go down, whereas Cobb's has been a lot more stable. And I do think the opportunity's moving to Scantling, but this early, it looks like Cobb still could end up being the, the second target for the season as a whole. And even that's not exactly true, because if you look at the season as a whole, like right now from weeks one to 10, Jimmy Graham is actually his number two and is actually increased in opportunity just like Scantling has. So Scantling's actually more in a three-way race than it might look like. And that variability has really got me worried even in the short term. And so if I can trade out for him and I'm competitive, I'm trading out obviously for a different type of player. I want a player I can put in my lineup. But in most situations, I think Scantling is someone I'm looking to trade, and um, not for nothing because he's gonna be useful down the stretch here. But I think the hype, from what I'm, from the feeling I get on Twitter, um, I think the hype is, jump the shark on Scantling. I think people think this is a dynasty asset. I think they think Scantling's gonna get a touchdown or a hundred yards every game. I just, I think that might be edging on less likely. I think he's good. I think it could happen because Rogers is seriously looking for targets. That's what this three-way race for number 2 is. And um, it's Rogers searching for what he wants. Last 2 weeks Scantling's been uh, been edging out the other two, but it could easily switch back the other way, especially when you look at the season long numbers and notice that Jimmy Graham has been the one who's been consistently targeted. Randall Cobb's suffering because he was injured through a period, so maybe now he's just getting back. Um, I don't know especially with the emergence of Aaron Jones as a lead back. uh, There just could be a lot that happens in this opportunity share, and that makes me more nervous even in the short term. Um, But I do agree overall, for the next few weeks and into the playoffs, Scantling could definitely be someone that does do it, but I think right now the assumption is that he's going to, and I would rather trade on that value, especially in a dynasty league where... Even when you're competing, you're still thinking about next year. Um, I think if I can flip that fourth-round pick that I picked up just because he had Aaron Rodgers for uh, for something more than that, that's something I want to do in most situations.
2: I think everything you said makes a lot of sense. And um, a lot of times in dynasty and fantasy football, you, you have to make a decision. And there's plenty of times where I feel kind of um, in the middle, kind of wishy-washy about certain situations about certain certain uh, players and this is not one of them (laughs) and um, I know it's 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 not metric driven and it's 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 not really definable but it's something innate in me as a you know just a fantasy player as a talent evaluator Um, call it what you will but I just have a feeling about this and again I don't expect anybody to take this Um, part of the conversation um, take any stock by it by any means because um, this is just my personal feeling about it I do have a feeling about Marquez Valdez scaling being able to perform and I do think that he is the rising player in this offense and I know Jimmy Graham is probably close there with him um, but I think Cobb is de-escalating in this offense and and I think um MVS's target share uh, is is going up increasingly and I I just I I think he's the guy that's going to be the number two weapon in this offense and if I'm wrong I'm wrong Um, but I'm willing to take that shot here because I think the upside is immense and it's either and you're right I think there's definitely an opportunity to sell here Um, and that just leads me to my next question is what are you selling for what's what's the lease you would take for him and let's just start in terms of rookie picks just because i think it's it's the easiest way to start
0: like you know i'm not a big rookie pick guy. i think just i think everyone says that though to be fair if we play dynasty we're like i don't like rookie picks but then we're all trading for (laughs) rookie picks and i appreciate that um so yeah, I like rookie pick. Would I trade what would I trade Scantling for? I I would take a second-round rookie pick right now if I'm in that kind of situation. I Just think. random
2: selling for maybe a random second is a little bit of an undersell at this point.
0: And I guess that's the point I was trying to make. A random second is too low, but if if that's where I am at with my team, I'd, I'm interested in that range because...
2: Would you say a high second is is a better estimation of what you'd be selling yeah, for? Yeah, that,
0: that's essentially what I'm saying. I'm saying if it's a second round pick that I can put a slightly higher value on than usual, so I guess that's a better way of saying it. If it's a if it's picked the first pick to the mid, yeah, a high second round pick. Jeez, I'm not sure why I'm trying to find a better way of saying that. <laughs> <laughs> um Uh, and yeah that's just again because you've probably that's more than doubling the value of what you put in to getting scantling probably and i think that's that again if your team's not competitive and you're you're really looking to improve it for next year i think you should always trade those players who might not work out because you'd rather get some definite value increase than risk not benefiting from that good pick that you made in the fourth round
2: sure i also think that the higher end dynasty players are actually higher on mbs than probably your typical dynasty player that's true and it's just the same situation like you know i'm a big philip lindsey fan i own him in a lot of places i have sold a share i've been actually kind of putting him out there in package deals and a lot of the responses i get from even you know i play in some competitive dynasty leagues with people in the industry that know what they're doing. Um, I mean, not all of them obviously, but um, you know, in leagues that are run by some very high end people in the industry. And and some of the responses I get back are like, uh, you know, I don't want this player a plus a, you know, undrafted guy. Right. And for me, I feel like that's a little bit of the conversation that people are going to say about MVS there. Nathan Powell talked about it on the trade cast when we were talking you know he's a huge draft capital guy and I think there's plenty of guys out there that are like that where if they're not a high round draft pick they just don't believe in them to sustain success so if you find that owner that kind of is in that um mindset I think you can buy at a decent price and um, it's it's not a it's not a bad process there.
0: I am not a high draft capital guy, and I'm interested right, in right. selling MVS. So I want to explain a little bit of why. Like I'm more likely to dig in on a lower draft high, draft capital guy that I believe in. And so where do my questions on scantling come from? I think is a fair question. For one thing, I just look. It's just you know we've been paying close attention to the season, and there's a pattern here, right? Cobb gets injured. Allison is suddenly this second target and he's getting good games every week from Aaron Rodgers and then he gets injured and then suddenly Scantling is doing it well for a game there it was also um Equiminius got a good target or two Uh, and I'm usually one to say that Well, I always say wide receivers own their own production, so why am I not saying these players are good? Because when I look at these players, they don't stick out in any other way. Um, Like I say, I think they're good. They're good NFL players, and that makes them highly valuable in the NFL. I'm not trying to diminish them, but in terms of fantasy, they don't look like the most likely successful fantasy receivers. When I dug into uh, MVS, I guess is now his nickname, um, I don't care that he's a fourth-round wide receiver pick. What I care about is that in college he was not very productive until he was 21 he actually broke out at the age tw- at age 21 i've talked about the hit rates for those players and in different draft rounds as well. And 21 is always a dubious age to consistently put up fantasy-relevant seasons or games. Just looking at the situation that this is one of the few quarterbacks that I think can feed a player if they have to, rather than a player earning the opportunity just innately to themselves. I'm seeing a lot of question marks from his college profile. I also noticed that he traded down in terms of conferences before he broke out. Again, I'm not a big conference matters guy either, but it's just another Kind of a question mark over his production. He didn't go into harder competition and excel like Kenny Galladay. He went into easier competition and kind of excelled, like right on the average line, like not even above it, compared to other successful um, wide receiver threes in the NFL. That's that's not great. Um, And then when I put all of that together with the fact that this has been a pattern just in this season of. Just the next man up, Aaron Rodgers has made relevant. That means I'm more dubious on the player. It's not his draft capital. It's that he's never been particularly good without some added benefit. <laughs> and in this case, he's got Aaron Rodgers feeding him the ball. Um, so is he a good player? Most definitely. You don't do this in the NFL. You don't get to the NFL without being some type of good player. But I I don't think he's the answer long term. I think he could easily lose targets on a week to week basis, even right now, which makes him less certain than some people who want to play him um, through their playoffs.
2: I'll just I'll just throw I mean his last four games have been really impressive to me. Uh, from a you know somewhat of a volume standpoint, but just efficiency as well. Um, and the last four games he's right up there with Robert Woods and Emmanuel Sanders. And Devin Funchess with air yards and targets per game. Um, and then this this week, he faces the Miami Dolphins. And according to Graham Barfield uh, of NFL Network, uh, have allowed a passing gain of 20-plus yards at the league's second-highest clip, uh, 14%. So I think he's due for a nice game this week.
0: Like, have you ever, like, thrown a basketball from mid-court and made a basket? <laughs> I did and sure. I re- I quit basketball right there and then <laughs> because I now have a better completion percentage than than Michael Jordan from that distance. And that's exactly what I think we've got. Go- that's what I'm saying we've got going on with MVS. We've got this small sample and this something that looks highly efficient if it happens once. With three targets and 100 yards, that's going to produce an efficiency rate, uh, ranking off the charts. He's got like a, racer right now, which is the air yards efficiency metric, as you well know, and which is great. That's that's above average. That's fantastic. That's easier to do when you're getting he had a 21 a dot in that last game. If you catch one of those, you look really efficient. And he caught three of them again. Is he good at it? Most definitely. Is Aaron Rodgers making him better than he is at it at the NFL level? most definitely put all of that together and you've got a play. You can definitely try and play in the next coming weeks. I'm not saying get rid of him straight away. Like Evan Silver's on this guy. I'm not going to tell you he's not going to be useful <laughs> at the end of this season.
2: I mean, I just don't know why you always have to be the wet blanket and the voice of reason. And <laughs> no, because all this does make sense. And honestly, some of these targets he's even gotten over the last three weeks, some of those targets have been throwaways right. where he got, um, They said it was a target, even though it was not really a target, you know? Um, So, like, I understand. But he did, against Detroit, he did have 10 targets and 7 receptions, um, which is great to see because I do think his volume does need to go up for him in order to become more than what he's been. And him staying at the level of efficiency that he's had over the last three weeks probably isn't going to happen, especially those 200-yard games with three catches apiece there. That's probably not gonna sustain itself, but I also believe that the volume is gonna go up. That's part of my rationale.
0: So you know this is just purely reason. That's what I am. I'm so the you reason are, machine. You are
2: the Matt you are <laughs> the Matt Waldman you are the Matt Waldman of this podcast and I am the segment. Obviously
0: I, I never st-
2: Where I get a little I get a little too emotional, I get too a little bit hyped up on certain situations. <laughs> and you are just very level headed and make a lot of sense. I never stand on hills. Ever. That's fine. Ever. That's right. fine. And um, you know what? I think there's there's also multiple ways to play this game and be successful. So I think whatever your personality is, I think that's just how you got to go about it.
0: Cam Meredith has an age 20 breakout age. Tyrell Williams has an age 20 breakout age. Better than Scantling, but still outside what I want, right? And I'm still holding them on rosters and talking about how great they are. So, I mean, if, if that's a hill you want to stand on, I'm never going to... Tell you not to do that. Um, I, everything together is just making me. Ill. We could just repeat ourselves a couple more times, but I think we've done it. Is there anything else you want to tell the five people? No, that's who listen it. To they know about? where
2: to find us on Twitter.
0: Yeah, they do. At Dino Crossroads, please answer that poll every week. It's a big help. Or check out your podcast, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, and fill out a review. And um, that's that's
2: that's honestly the best thing you can do if you do listen to the show for whatever reason. Um, just to help us reach new audiences. And it's not really so much that um, it's ego-driven whatsoever. It's it's about, you know, we do this every week. We do put in our time and energy into it. We do enjoy doing it. Um, and if you enjoy listening to it, just leaving a rating and review helps us out immensely. I mean, it's really, honestly, it takes... 15 seconds and it's the best thing that you can possibly do f- to support the show.
0: Yeah, I always hear that it's more helpful than you know. I think we all know. Like, <laughs> like, we've got it sitting in our holsters, we're listening to a podcast and if you please me, I will unleash this big helpful thing. I, I think you guys know. Uh, let us know when we earn it. Um, we really appreciate it. Um, and yeah uh, thanks for checking us out thanks for coming to the crossroads this week I've enjoyed myself as I always do talking to Jake um, hope you did too and I will see you next week
1: I'm never sure crossroads
0: how much to recap the shit I've said film before
1: analytics create. Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that tape.
2: I'm gonna let you take the take the mic over the here. The
1: crossroads where film is everything. The dynasty crossroads where numbers are the key. Uh,
0: Jake, I can't hear you. Anymore,
1: there may baby. not be consensus,
0: but we'll give you everything. Never stand on hill. That's not great.